Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. Really excited to be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. We'd love to hear what you're working on on your farm or if there's any agronomic question that you've got as you're putting your plan together. Uh, we're here to help. 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. we got a number of emails that have come in, and we'll we'll dive into those as well. Brian, it's been uh, been a busy, busy year. There have been so many changes with supply issues and, and everything else going on. Great markets, a lot of optimism out there, a lot of opportunity to make some money this year. But it seems like everybody is, I, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of farmers are ahead of schedule in the planning, at least the, the guys I've been talking to, just thinking, you know, I'm going to make sure I have what I need on hand. What, what are you finding? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of people ahead, but there's a massive amount of product sitting at retailers today, and I don't understand why farmers are not getting it. Because, I, I mean, every person I talk to in the ag chem industry, like literally every day, something else is going up. So quit messing around, go get your stuff, then you got your price locked in, and that's how you can set yourself up best for this particular season. Now, if you're worried that stuff isn't going to be around, that's not the case. That's not the problem. The problem is the price. So everything is going to be widely available other than Liberty. And even Liberty, there are going to be enough people that back out on it when it's $30 an acre that you'll be able to get your Liberty or whatever you want. But you just want to get the best price. So I, I, I have just been telling people, quit messing around. I know that you don't want to go get stuff in the middle of the winter, but just find a day when the temperature is above freezing, whenever that happens, like for us, it's uh, maybe in a week. But anyway, just go get your stuff, put it in your heated shop. And I know you're not used to doing that, but just this one year, you need to. Next year, things are going to start getting back to normal. And the year after that, things are going to be, in my opinion, totally back to normal. Prices will come down. You don't have any worries. There's all kinds of stuff out there, plenty of competition. But that's just not the case this year. There are shortages and stuff is tight enough that manufacturers feel like they can keep going up. So, I mean, I, today I know of another probably 50 items that, that just went up. I just got a call. So it's just more stuff all the time. So just go get it, quit messing around, and then you're going to be a lot happier. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Well, and then we get questions all the time. Can we dive into the Ag PhD mailbag here since you're talking about chemicals? I'll, I'll throw a chemical question at you. It's the mailbag. All right, this one comes in from Richard, and he's down in Louisiana. And he said, all right, so what are going to be the options of chemicals that are available that will work well for me in my burn down ahead of my soybeans? And then what would you use? Are you making big changes in your recommendations for programs throughout the season? Well, first of all, again, everything's available, so that's not really a problem. And I realize you might say, well, it's not there today. Yeah, I know. But there's going to be plenty of everything available other than, like I say, Liberty. So are we making any changes because of availability? A little bit. We're making more changes because of pricing. So when you look at Liberty or Roundup being triple or more versus last year, you say, hmm, if I can get by without those, that would be great. The problem is 2,4-D is almost three times the money as last year, too. So 
I, I guess it just depends on what crop we're talking about. But for burn down, we really like a lot of the residual products. I'll just talk soybeans real quick. So I don't know what crop he's after. But I, I like he's after soybeans, soybeans. We really like that. What's that? Soybeans. That's the one. Okay. We really like the three pre thing because you got a PPO in there, Valor Authority. They have good burn down. You have Metribuzin in there. That has good burn down. And you got a yellow too, which doesn't have much for burn down. Uh, maybe just a little bit, but you can always spike that up with some aim. Uh, that's still very inexpensive. Uh, that's another PPO. And yeah, if you want to throw some Roundup in, some Gramoxone, Gramoxone didn't go up near as much as Roundup did. Um, either way, that would be a good way to go. One other thing that I'll add that not a lot of people do with their burn downs is use crop oil. If you throw crop oil in with any of those herbicides, it absolutely increases the activity and the crop oil price isn't all that much different than last year either. It's in terms of in-season products, it doesn't change much other than if you had Enlist Soybeans and you were planning to go Liberty or extend, uh, uh, extend Flex Soybeans and you were planning to go Liberty. So you basically want to take the Liberty component out because it's too expensive now. I mean, I'm not spending 30 bucks an acre on my farm. No possible chance I'm doing that. So I just look at, you know what, I might go with some more early season residuals like a Warrant Ultra or an Anthem Max, and then I'll come back with Roundup or Cobra or the 2,4-D or Dicamba or something, depending on what your trait is for a crop. All right. Thanks for the question. I really appreciate that one. Uh, got a couple of questions on fertility here, and we can maybe get started on this before we get to our first break. Uh, this one came in from Steve. He said, I've heard Kelly Garrett on your show a couple times this week talking about applying sulfur into his high calcium soils to overcome that high calcium situation. Yep. I'm in southeast yep. Iowa. I've got calcareous soils with 74 to 88% base saturation and a CEC of 10 I have been using 32% liquid pre-planted 100 units, top dressing AMS to get my next 50 units and my sulfur. My questions are, what's considered high calcium? That's the first one. Anything above, anything above 80%. Okay. And how much sulfur does it take to overcome high calcium? Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to fix a soil, that's different. I don't, it's not economical to do that. So I'd just be applying some sulfur. You know, I'm going to use maybe an extra 50 pounds of sulfur beyond what my crop needs to help unlock some of those nutrients. But I'm sure not going to put several hundred pounds out. It's just, it's not very cost effective. Yep. And here's the thing, Steve, we would say pick a field or pick 10 or 20 acres and try a larger amount on a small scale. So like Brian said, it's kind of expensive, but you try that on a small scale and maybe you learn, okay, that's too much. I went too far. Or maybe you learn, oh, it's not enough. I need to be a little bit more. And then you can use those lessons and put them onto more acres on your farm to be successful. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. This is a wake-up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. 
What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can also email us if you'd like, or if you'd prefer, radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Minnesota. We've got Dan on with us right now. Dan, how are you doing today? Uh, good. How are you? Well, we're doing pretty good over here. A little cold, a little cold, but you know what? I was thinking about that. Uh, cold isn't all bad. I don't mind when the frost goes a little deep in the soil. It sometimes helps us with some of our problems. Like we had so many rootworms over uh, a little bit west of where you farm that I think there's quite a few guys that say, man, I hope this cold's killing off some of those rootworms. Uh, how about you, Ari? Do you have any big challenges this year? Uh, I think the biggest challenge uh, probably was just we were – you know, like many places in the country, we were just uh, really dry for a long time. Um, uh, but we were in a fortunate enough spot there that about that mid-August time frame, we uh, uh, started getting a little bit of rain, and that sure uh, that sure changed things uh, coming down the home stretch. Yeah, I talked to quite a few growers in Minnesota that said, you know, we must be doing something right because the crop hung in there, and we still ended up turning out okay. You know, just catching some rain late, so that that's good when when we can hold on. Is it heavy soil or good farming practices or just luck? What do you credit it to? <laughs> uh, fairly, probably, uh, probably a combination of all three. <laughs> uh, I would say we definitely have some uh, heavy soils in our area. Um, probably. You know, our farm is probably running anywhere from 20s, about as light as it gets, to uh, upper to mid-30s. Um, you know, we've been changing a lot of things that uh, we do over the last four or five years, using a lot of chicken litter and a lot of natural products and uh, and kind of using some more uh, late-season fungicides, which uh, that actually was a, probably a big thing that, uh, that really paid off, I think, this past year, kind of not giving up on the crop uh, there in, uh, you know, uh, mid-July. And uh, taking that last fungicide pass, hoping to keep it healthy and feeling as good as, as long as possible, banking on maybe getting some rain, which we finally got there in August. And, 
And I think that I think that helped uh, those of us that 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 kind of hung on for that and kept uh, kept hoping in the crop. <laughs> you know, you mentioned don't give up on the crop too soon, and we've been talking about that for a long, long time in soybeans because it seems like soybeans can always make up later on. But boy, that corn really did hang in there this year and just wait for the rain. It 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 did. I, I in our area, uh, myself and a few other guys in the immediate area, we uh, we actually did do kind of like about a. Oh, right around a, a B13, probably timing, uh, Beltima uh, on that corn when it was really dry, but the corn was still still healthy and looking good. And I, I think for those of us that did that in that area, um, it, it certainly, uh, I think we're certainly happy we did. It, it, it certainly seemed to keep it healthy. And then when those rains finally came, uh, the crop was still in good condition to, to make good use of it. So. Hey, talk to us about the soybeans just a little bit. I know Minnesota's making some changes in terms of what they're going to do for dicamba restrictions and those types of things. Are you still using dicamba beans? Are you using enlist beans or something different? You know, a lot of guys in, in our area are is switching to enlist uh, beans. I'm, I'm still using uh, Extend Flex. Uh, beans this year and uh, um, I, I guess I like the options uh, I haven't you know coming into extend flex I hadn't used a ton of Liberty uh, in the past and so that's been uh, um, you know a real useful uh, chemistry for me um, and I actually haven't had to use uh, much dicamba I've got good activity early out of uh, you know uh, one of the authority of products pre and then able to to come back with the uh, with the uh, liberty or a generic form of it and then like say a warrant for residual later and and that's uh, so far that's been uh, that's been working well I've been happy with that program and from a from a drift volatility standpoint you know your your worries are pretty pretty minimal with those types of chemistries yeah no kidding that's a, it's an excellent strategy I, I know I'm talking to, to farmers in Minnesota there's some farmers really upset about this that have kind of been pushing it and wanted to wait as long as they could but you're right when you've got that option of Liberty that really does a nice job on all these resistant weeds why why fight it, it? why why not just utilize that it did. It did. It did. It was very useful chemistry this year. And, you know, we were, we got kind of a later flush cause it was, it was dry, but the, the things uh, kind of closed up later, but it also did that Liberty when you, when you, you know, you plant, plant just a, you know, a, um, you know, a double pro type corn that Liberty also does a great job on, uh, on any volunteer corn there too. And that kind of makes a, makes, makes it a nice combination there as well. You bet. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Great stuff from you today. Hopefully uh, you got more good stuff coming up this next year with all the things you're changing, chicken litter, naturals, uh, these late season fungicides that aren't cheap, but man, they, you're right. They did pay off last year. Uh, hopefully you have some more great return on investment stories for us down the road. Well, I, I hope so too. I, I, I like the program that we're heading on and sometimes you got to be willing, like you said, to, to uh, not give up and uh, be willing to invest a little bit in the crop and uh, and a lot of times if you do it the right way it, it seems to it seems to pay off down the home stretch so you bet well thanks dan we really appreciate it you bet thanks for calling appreciate it have a great day let's head down to louisiana where i hear it's kind of cold down there we got dustin on with us dustin is that right is it cold in louisiana too yeah it's cold in louisiana it's uh you know we did christmas and new year's at 80 but it's uh about 30 you know, low thirties right now in the middle of the day and woke up to mid twenties. So that's pretty rare in Louisiana. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not very nice. I know I've got some friends down in the South and, and I, I just, a lot of times I kind of keep tabs on what their weather is and boy, there wasn't anybody I was super jealous of today. It's supposed to be 30 up here today, this afternoon. And I thought, man, we're supposed to be a lot colder. So hopefully it warms back up for you as soon. It gets back to a little more normal. Yes, sir. So what do you work on when, when you get cold like this? Now, a lot of guys in the South that I've visited don't necessarily have heated shops or have the need to have uh, all the investment of a heated shop like we do up North. Uh, what do you do on days like today? Well, uh, we're not doing much on days uh, today, actually. Uh, we actually do have a heated shop. We're probably one of the only, we're the only person I know around that has a heated shop. But uh, so we do, you know, we work on planners and, uh, you know, just equipment maintenance, uh, that the kind of stuff that I guess a lot of people do, um, you know, after sure. the first of the year, uh, just going through things and, uh, getting everything ready to go, all of our tillage equipment, things like that. Uh, and that's kind of our, you know, that's when we built a heated shop. So on days Absolutely. like today we can just, it just happens to be today we're not working, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a nice tool. I, I know up here it's a it's a must, or, or you're just done. You can't work when it gets below right. zero and that kind of thing, and snow and everything else that we've got. So, no, I agree with you, because the guys I've visited in the south that have done it have said, you know, I didn't realize how big a deal it was till we had that. And you look at this, this next year, it's been kind of a challenge getting some of the parts that we need. Are you guys doing okay on that? Are you finding everything you need to get all that equipment ready? You know, um we're having to go through other channels than, than normal, you know, um, it's definitely, you know, I, I walked in to get some pieces for a tillage equipment back before the first of the year. I said, Hey, you know, y'all put these on a stock order. It was a deer deal. And they looked at me and they said, stock order no longer exists. You wow. know, it's either machine down or you're not getting it. Wow. And I said, well, in that case, I don't need it tomorrow. So I'll, you know, we'll see you in January and we'll order them then, you, you know? Bet. Um, so it's definitely a challenge and, I mean, we're working our way through it, but it, it certainly changed the way you think about what you're doing. All right. Commodity Classic is coming up and it's down in New Orleans. And for a lot of growers from the north, uh, it's it's the, the taste of Louisiana that they get. What are we going to see for agriculture going on when we come down uh, later this winter? How soon do you get started planting row crops? So, you know, I'm, I'm in the northeast corner of Louisiana, so we'll be we'll we'll start planting as as soon as it's dry enough around the 1st of March. Okay. Um, you know, if we, if we can get in the field the last few days of February, that's a, that's a plus, but somewhere in that neighborhood, and we're, we'll try to, we'll try to start planting. Excellent. So I think that, I think the commodity classic is a, right there around the 1st of March, first yeah. weekend in March, maybe. Yeah. It's uh, somewhere around the 10th of March. So you bet. So good thing when we're flying down there, we'll, uh, we'll see some planters rolling out in the field. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, sounds good. Well, Dustin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay warm, and uh, I know the warmer weather's coming, but uh, it's going to be not very long. We'll be out in the field. I know we talk about it up here. We're hoping to get started around April 10th for us, and that's coming up quick enough that we're starting to get nervous. So hopefully everything goes well for you, and, and good luck. All right. Thank you, and good luck to you all. You bet. Thank you. It's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD radio show, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. 
the right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will, because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Tennessee. Well, just the sound of that sounds good to me. Let's head down to Tennessee, but let's talk to Doyle in Tennessee, first of all. Doyle, how are you doing today? I'm tolerable. How are you? <laughs> I, I think I'm tolerable. I, I guess we'll find out here. Maybe you won't tolerate me very long. But, uh, man, we're just trying to stay warm up here. We're cold. And uh, like uh, our last caller, we were talking uh, down in Louisiana to Dustin. He said, man, this is the day you have to go inside the shop because it's not bearable outside. Nice. Now, did you guys catch the 28, snow? 28 here. Ooh. Yep. Did you guys catch much snow in your area? We got uh, 
that six inches of snow the first time around in here yesterday and today is just now thawing out from my ice. Oh boy. Yeah, that's no fun. That's no fun at all. I, I know we've got a couple of days of warm coming up and hopefully we'll melt away some of that stuff. Hopefully that happens soon for you as well. What about with your crops? Do you have cover crops out there that you were hoping not to get killed off or do you just kind of count on, Hey, it's going to get cold. We know that's going to happen. I've got a five-way blend, uh, uh, ryegrass, wheat, crimson clover, and radishes and turnips. And I want to know if I can crimp them this spring. You know, it's it's amazing. I, I don't know in your geography what's going to happen. I know here we'll see that stuff last, boy, a long ways past frost, and, and we'll get We'll get quite a ways out. It's it's a lot more than I thought it would be. And a lot of times that we see that cover just holds some of that heat in the ground a little bit better. So we can end up a lot of times out into December and still be able to do something with that. But anything we've left past that has just been a mess come spring. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how, how that's going to work for you. It's, it's got snow laying on top of it, I'm assuming. No, I don't mean to crimp it anytime soon. I mean to crimp it before the money crop is planted rather than burn it down. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. Uh, but that's a good question. Uh, well, well, I guess what have you tried in the past? Have you tried that yet? No, I have not. But I have now got access to a 15-foot uh, crimper, and I was uh, wanting a little information about it. We yeah. work on that blend of cover crop first. Boy. I'm not the expert on that one, Doyle. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of guys online doing that kind of thing, but I don't have any first-hand experience. Okay. What are you What are you going to plant after that? Just curious. What goes in next? It'll be corn this year behind that cover crop. Okay. How long have you been doing covers? Uh, have you been just burning stuff off in the fall in the past, or or, uh, or is this your first go at it? Well, it's about three or four years I've been doing it now. On some of the wetter ground and some of the old pastures that are rolling, I've uh, used to cover crops rather than uh, double crop wheat sure. and soybeans. Yeah, I love that on the hilly ground. I know for our farm, too, just uh, in case we get those big rains, boy, it's sure been nice to hold things in place on the hills. And the other thing that I've liked is, uh, from what I've seen with a lot of our, our guys that we talked to with covers, has just been everybody seems to be happy with holding down some of those winter annual weeds. I think the one that gets talked about for us the most has been mare's tail up this way, but uh, there are plenty of other winter annuals that that can really take off. And if if a guy wasn't going to do tillage come spring, that's by having that cover out there's been nice for that. Right. What's your question for me? <laughs> What's the tobacco market like, and what are acres doing for next year? Is that holding steady? Is that going to be up or down with these corn prices? Is that going to force guys to say, you know, I could just raise corn and make good money there too? You know, there's been a lot of farmers in this area who are no longer in the tobacco production. A lot of them. I've still got a, just a few acres myself. That just gives us something to do in the wintertime, strip tobacco. Sure, 
Sure. Well, I, it, it's interesting. I've never grown the crop, but I, I've been around at harvest time and with the dryers and so forth. And I don't know. It's, that's a pretty cool crop. Yeah, it's interesting when you get corn at, at these kinds of levels and guys think about, man, if I raise 200 bushel corn, I got more than a $1,000 acre potential out there. It's it's going to change things, no doubt. We're kind of on a fringe crop area here where guys are willing to switch acres quite a bit. You go further east from us, you're over into Iowa, and a lot of those guys are 50-50 corn, soybeans, really regardless. That's their, uh, their way to not have to worry so much about the markets. But, uh, yeah, always interesting. Bye. Well, hopefully, Doyle, it warms up for you and you get out of this ice thing because I, I don't mind snow so much, but ice is absolutely no fun, and it can be surprising out on the roads too. So stay safe, and good talking to you, Doyle. Thank you. Thank you. Let's head over to Illinois. You got Ron with us right now. Ron, how's it going? Uh, real good. Good to talk with you today. You bet. Uh, so have you got all your plans all set for this next spring, or are they still a little bit in flux? No, we're all set. We've ordered our seed. We got we got our fertilizer applied that we needed. Got a decent price on the ammonia. Uh, we booked it early and so didn't have to pay the $1,500 a ton price that was in season. Um, we got all our seed ordered and our herbicide ordered. And we've had to make a few changes because our retailer is not able to give us 100% of like the, the some of the products that we bought last year. So we've had to change our herbicide program uh, to go look to a little more premix products instead of just adding, you know, the Roundup of Callisto and all the other stuff in a, a tank mix. Why it's a premix product sure. that we're going to be using. Yeah. It's, that is the theme for 2022. It's well, uh, plan a didn't entirely work. So we're going to have to go with plan B of, I can kind of get some of those same ingredients just through a different way. I, I know exactly what you mean. Cause uh, Roundup, it's been uh, a huge price increase and supply shortages. And so guys are looking for, well, there's plenty of Roundup premixes out there. And the same, honestly, yeah. the same with some of the HPPDs and some of these other products that they, they're found together in combination with a lot of different things. And eh, using multiple mode of action is good anyway. So what the heck? Yeah, well, and it's also going to cost 10 to $15 an acre more just to make sure I can get the, the protection on the control on the weeds I've we've got here yeah and at most years i would be screaming to high heaven that that's horrible this year when i look at yeah. what the fertilizer went up i think gosh 10 bucks isn't too bad on some of these herbicides don't yeah. hopefully no herbicide uh manufacturers are listening when i say that but but yeah the yeah, fertilizer well, took the big I, jumps yeah i don't think they really take a look at what farmers think about when they price their products. <laughs> no, you're right. They just, they just price it out to whatever they think they can get. That's for sure. Hey, yep. what, did you try anything different last year? I heard a lot of guys talking about, uh, over in your country, uh, just dialing in different things on the fungicides. Are, are you in that fungicide market or, or has that not been, been something you guys have been doing? No, we've been doing fungicides. Uh, when they first came out, when Asian rust first came out, we started doing a little fungicide on-farm testing and found out that really worked well on the soybeans and and then we kind of jumped in on the corn fungicides because we were getting good results and so we in this area last year in western illinois we had a terrible disease problem we had three or four different diseases that, that hurt our corn crop especially and and we got a big um, problem with tar spot in this area and so our retailers are 
you know, talking to us about, do, do we do one fungicide application? Do we do two? Do we do three? Some guys are doing three. Um, well, we've, we're changing our fungicide program a little bit to a different product. And we're going to, as the retailers are talking to us, that they're, we're going to increase the rate by a third and only do one application. But the increase in the, the amount of product we put on will buy us a week to 10 days, maybe two weeks longer coverage, more more residual. Sure, sure. And hope, hopefully that'll get us through the middle of to August, maybe the end of August time before um, before any diseases set in. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how that works out right. I know it saves an application pass as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself. Whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest, farming taught me to give it my best no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima Fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima Fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima Fungicide is not registered in all states.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just before the break, we were talking with Ron over in western Illinois about the fungicide program that he's using, and, and he brought up something kind of interesting and, and one thing we really haven't talked about much. Uh, Ron, uh, happy to have you back on here. You're just mentioning Change up that or that fungicide program a little bit, increasing rates of fungicide, trying to stretch residual just a little bit longer. Yeah. Now, are you talking about in-season on corn, like tasseling time fungicides, I'm assuming? Yes. Yes. And, and uh, retailers are saying that, you know, adding that extra third of the product into, into the application will eliminate a second application. And, it, you know, when you're doing aerial application at 10 or 12 bucks an acre just to put that on. And so it's the initial cost of the, the single application is going to be a little more expensive, but if we can ex- extend our time that it's covering, um, preventing disease from coming in, we're, we're still going to be money ahead. I, I, I think so. Yeah, we'll see. It, We're going to try it this year and see how it works. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And and just for anybody listening, if you're saying, man, that sounds like a good idea. It's different in corn when you're talking about tasseling time because all the vegetative growth is out there. And fungicides are just going to protect the leaf tissue that they touch. So if you've got all the vegetation out there, well, get the fungicide on it. Now, in soybeans, we hear a lot of guys say, well, what do I do? I get into flowering at soy, on soybeans. It's it's so different because in many cases, you can still get through with a ground rig. And so you can do it yourself. So you don't have to deal with that application charge. But the other thing is you're still growing. And with indeterminate beans in the northern part of the country, you're still growing. you got new plant material coming out that's going to be un protected. That's why sometimes you may need a later application in soybeans compared to what you're doing in corn. Uh, and Rick, how about tar spot? Has tar spot been an issue yet or is it more still a gray leaf spot area? Um, it was a big issue this year. We've had tar spot to a, a limited degree in the last three years, for three years, but this year it came in on top of crown rod, on top of um, Oh, a couple other different diseases. It seemed like this was the perfect storm for four different diseases to come in and and really take the top end of our our yields off. Uh, top 20%. We were down 20% on our yields from our average, um, and and it was a relatively localized area. Um, but now we've had tar spot for three years, and everybody's concerned about it. And we're, we've we're going to be battling that if we have the right environmental conditions as we go forward. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of stuff going on in that part of the country. And a lot of people say, oh, man, it'd be so easy to farm in Illinois. Huh? <laughs> I think it's Ron's <laughs> pointing really. out here. It's not so easy anymore. There's there's a lot of disease challenges there for sure and others. It's not easy farming anywhere, to be real honest. But, Ron, thank you so much. Really appreciate hearing just a little hey. bit more. Uh, and thanks for hanging on there for us, too. Hey, no problem. Thank you. You bet. All right, Brian, uh, Ron brought up a great point there about fungicides. And when we think about aerial application costing, uh, he said in his area, 10 to 12 bucks, uh, that does make it a challenge. And it also causes some farmers to hesitate and say, you know, I don't think I'm going to do it. That's kind of expensive. It's going to take a lot of yield to, to justify the application. What do you think about increasing the rate on tasseling time corn fungicides rather than saying I'm going to do a low rate twice? Yep, oh, did I get you there, Brent? Yep, sorry. Uh, 
anyway, I would just say for us in our region of the country where we're dry, tassel applications typically don't pay that well. But when you've got tar spot, northern corn leaf blight, southern rust, gray leaf spot, any of those diseases, and you're in a wetter environment, it can pay really well. But the trick is the timing of it, first of all. And then secondly, yes, should you go with a higher rate to give yourself longer residual or not? So you, you made the correct statement in saying, hey, with corn, once you've reached hassle, it's fine. You've got maximum growth out there and you don't have new leaves coming. But the problem is a lot of guys, us included, want to spray before tassel now. So we don't necessarily have all the leaves out there. But I will say the most important leaf on that plant is the ear leaf. And at least if we can get that protected, which we can at an earlier stage than tassel. I mean, we're most of the way there. So could I see potentially doing that and maybe not having to make another trip? Yes. But the flip side of this thing is, if I do make another application, I'm going to have even more residual because what I usually tell guys is spray before tassel and then spray three weeks later if you want to do this two-shot thing, if let's say you're after tar spot or southern rust or whatever. And so I look at, boy, if I spray twice, then I could have residual for at least those first couple weeks and then a couple weeks more when I get that going later. It's a long time. And the other thing, the biggest factor here is what's the commodity price? I mean, we have $6 corn right now. And honestly, at $6 corn, I don't mind spending some money. At 2 or $3 corn, I mind it a lot because it's going to take me twice as much gain to make it pay. Yep, yep. There's there's just a lot of pros and cons there that a guy's got to wade through. All right, let's dive into another question here. Uh, this one came in from Brandon. It's about potassium, so it's right in your wheelhouse, Brian. He said, "I'm, I'm listening to what you guys are talking about with potassium, and I wanted to find out what you thought about rather than using potash, using sulfate of potash, which is an OO50. So it's got less mm -hmm. less potassium, but you also have some sulfur in there, and it's more microbial friendly. Just wondering if there's times where one would be more beneficial to use than the other, or if you see much difference." Well, the biggest problem usually with the potassium sulfate is it's double the price of potassium chloride or potash. So I don't know what the price of that is now. I don't typically look at what that price is because it's just so sky high. And that's the reason why we don't use it. So, I mean, you can use it, but don't think that potash is that bad on the microbes. Don't believe all the stuff that you hear. Keep in mind, potash is potassium and it's chloride. And your crop needs chloride and chloride's leachable. So unless chloride gets together with, let's say, sodium to form sodium chloride, it's not even a salt. So don't get that worried about potassium chloride. It's really not that bad. We, we haven't seen any issues. We've still seen tremendous microbial activity. And I, I mean, sure, if potassium sulfate was the same price as potassium chloride, would I want to maybe do a blend or, you know, maybe one year go to one product, the next year go to the other or whatever? Sure, I'd be super interested in that. But when my net cost is double, I'm like, no way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not going to spend that money. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Matt, and he's asking an off-label question here, Brian. He said, I guess we're talking about Rise Up Smart Grass, which is gibberellic acid. I, I'm going to be applying Pursuit herbicide to my grass alfalfa stand right at Green Up, which sounds to be the time to apply Rise Up. And I was just wondering if you'd have any concerns mixing Rise Up with Pursuit. So uh, you've got grass out there, and Pursuit can be pretty hard on grass. 
you've got alfalfa out there and rise up's not labeled on alfalfa. So I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question. Brian, have you got a good idea? I would say this though, uh, they haven't seen any issues mixing pursuit with rise up on labeled crops. That's been fine. Uh, but I don't know that a grass alfalfa mix is really labeled for either of those two. Nope. That's right. So as agronomists, we can't be doing things or can't be recommending things that are off label. So our advice to you is skip it. This also kind of comes back to why we say all the time, look, you can do grass alfalfa mix, but you're going to get more tons if you took that same field and put alfalfa on half of it and grass on the other half, because then where the grass is, you could treat that with the proper things. So you can, there are lots of herbicides that work in grass production and you can use rise up. And then over on the other side where you have alfalfa, there are different herbicides and fewer that can be used there. And you don't want to use rise up on that, but you, you need to fertilize for those crops different. For example, like with the grass, it needs nitrogen. I mean, they're just, and, and also, let me just say this. A lot of people think, oh, the alfalfa is going to create nitrogen and that's going to feed the grass crops. No, it doesn't. Alfalfa creates its own nitrogen. It doesn't go, you know what? There's this grass plant over here. It's my good friend. I'm going to throw out a bunch of nitrogen for it just for fun. No way. That does not happen. So I'm, I can guarantee you, you split that field, put alfalfa on one side, grass on the other side, you're going to have more total tons. All right. Thanks for the question, Matt. We really appreciate that. Got a comment in from Dwight. He was watching a segment we had on YouTube about soybeans. He said, huh, I thought soybeans were sold by the ton. Nope, they're sold by the bushel, Dwight. Although soybean meal is sold by the ton. So when they crush it and extract the oil, they sell the remaining soybean meal by the ton to livestock producers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Ag PhD Radio. It came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 Herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development. But what's right for your farm? That's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products. We wanna share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to helping you understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations, and much more. There's great information here that we want to share with you. So to learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com.
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, thanks for joining us. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD here in the Morton studio, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got this one from David. He said, I have been reading the American Agriculturalist from early in the 1860s. Now, back then, they were talking about weed control, compaction, surface draining, and fertilizer. All things that we still talk about today. He said weed control, their choices were hoeing it by hand, uh, trying to get total elimination of ragweed in Canada thistle. That was the biggest weeds that they had. That was basically the choice. Uh, compaction, they were doing some deep plowing and some harrowing. Drainage, three to four feet deep. They were putting in clay tiles, uh, and they were using stone or straw to direct the water. Fertilizer, most everybody made their own from manure. And what was kind of interesting, they mixed lime, ashes, bones, salt, and other compost with the manure and let the hogs work it over. And also the liquid was saved and used. And he said, fast forward 160 years, we're still doing this. This is still good information. Hey, thanks, David. We appreciate the, the comment. Yeah, there's a lot in farming that, hey, we're going to have some of the same challenges all the times through the years. Just we get some different tools. Thank goodness we've got a lot different tools than they had in 1860 to uh, to work on those. All right, Brian uh, Jacko says, uh, you guys talk about herbicide and pesticide sometimes, and I'm not sure is there a difference between herbicide and pesticide, or when would you use one versus the other? A herbicide kills a weed, and a pesticide kills a pest. What can a pest be? Literally anything. Anything that is bothering whatever your target is. So let's say that I've got a crop. Some of the things that would be considered pests would be insects, nematodes, spider mites, weeds, diseases, you name it. So pesticide is a very broad category. Herbicide is very specific to plants, or namely for us, weeds. All right, now I got a comment in from TF. We were talking about how long can grain be safely stored. He said, if you're diversified enough with other income streams to be able to carry over a crop and not need that income right away, it can be very advantageous to blend old crop with new, especially if you catch a market where processors, crushers need something and harvest is close, but not close enough. You can sometimes get a big jump. And also he said, it's pretty rare for farms to be able to do this just with the cost of inputs, especially this year being so high and having to get financing for multiple years. Hey, you're right about that TF. If, if you have plenty of money and you have, or you have another income stream, so you're able to do that. Sometimes it can definitely make you money. No doubt about it. 
Uh, hey, but one thing, Darren, we got to mention is most businesses in the world go bankrupt because of lack of capital. It's not because they're dumb, not because they're not hardworking. A lot of it is lack of capital. And so when you don't have lack of, or when you do have a lack of capital, then that doesn't allow you to do things that maximize profitability. In this case, we're, we're talking about grain. So maybe you had to sell your grain at 250 corn, but you go, man, I know that that market's going up, which is literally what happened here a year and a half ago, where we went from 250 corn locally. And within just a few months, it was $4. A few more months, it was $5. For the people that did hold on, they were in great shape. But again, if you don't have that capital available, you go, man, I got to sell this because I have to have that cash. So it's one of the things that you got to keep working toward all the time as a business owner. And if you just don't have much at all for capital, you got to look at, all right, what else can I do? Bring out a partner or work with a bank or do something to get more capital. All right. Uh, get this one in from John, and he said, on a recent Ag PhD TV program, you guys were talking about insecticide seed treatment, and you talked about cases where it wasn't working the way they wanted and also uh, or potentially that it could hurt stand. I'm just wondering about more information on that. Uh, obviously, this is a, a large input expense, and if it isn't going to work or it could be detrimental, that really questions the reason why you might want to do it. Okay, John, let me throw this out. Brian can comment on this too. Uh, a couple things that we talked about were like Poncho 1250. Uh, you see a lot of right. different rates of some of the neonics on corn. And when you put that massive rate out trying to get rootworm control, in our opinion, uh, it's not worth it. We'd rather go with the 250 or probably the 500 rate, control most of those secondary insects, and then use a smart stacks corn or add an insecticide in like a capture LFR or a force or an Aztec, depending if you have liquid or dry capabilities in furrow. And we like the in furrow applications better than loading it up on the seed. We've just found plantability has been a little bit of an issue. And then if you've got if that seed doesn't get in the ground this year and gets carried over for a year, we're just concerned about that, having that much on there. Uh, what did you want to add to that, Brian, or did I cover it well? Well, yeah, it's just germination, even in year one with Poncho 1250, in our experience, I'm not saying this is always going to happen, but in our experience, it's worse. And just think about what kind of conditions you plant in in the spring. It's not like it's 70 degree soil temps or anything. We're usually planting in the soil temps are 45 or 50. So the, the plant's already under a lot of stress. Why add more stress to it? Plus, for similar money, you can go with like capture LFR or maybe switching to smart stacks or something that's going to give you better control than upping that rate all the way to the 1250 level of poncho. To, or, uh, poncho. So, yeah, we just do not advise people to go poncho 1250 or any of the ones, I don't care if it's gaucho or cruiser, any of those seed treatments, we just don't like pushing that rate super far. All right. Uh, Mitch from Australia sent us a picture of some corn that's silking, and he said that I'd, or I thought you guys would enjoy 
seeing how our crop is doing here in January. Uh, we seem to have some good growing conditions this season. One question for you. You may notice that I've got some silks that are turning color and some that are still yellowish or whitish uh, that, that haven't maybe been pollinated yet. It looks to us like our corn has shot more silks out after we began flowering two weeks ago. Any concerns here or is this just the ear flexing under good conditions or what do you see? Brian, whenever we see silks come out, a lot of times they're that lighter color and then once they get pollinated, they turn dark. Now, if you've got some more silks that are still extending out of the ear that are yellowish looking, those ones haven't been pollinated yet. So to me, that says you got part of the ear that pollinated, part of the ear that didn't, and those silks just right. have continued to grow on the ones that haven't been pollinated yet, hoping to catch some pollen. So if your hybrid is still yeah. shedding pollen, you could still pollinate those. If you're done shedding pollen, then you're going to have some kernels that just don't fill out and don't develop. Right. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning to me, but I don't, when I can't see it, it's hard to know for sure. But yeah, I get worried. I've got the picture, Mitch. Brian doesn't. Yeah, if, if some of the silks are caught in there, yeah, I know, but it's just a picture. You didn't see what it was a week ago. You know what I mean? True. So and we didn't see anything were, more were than those, just a couple plants here. Right. And were were those silks out, and now they've just extended, or were they not out? But to your point, yeah, the the ones that are brown, they've they've pollinated, and so if we have inconsistent pollination there or delayed pollination there i, I mean i am just i'm i'm concerned about yield i'm concerned about moisture in the fall and things like that so i i don't I, I, there's nothing the big, much you can do yeah, the about big thing the big point. thing you can do mitch is you can peel back the husk maybe give it another week and see what happens there isn't a whole lot you can do about it or wait a week or two then peel no. back the husk see how many of those silks are still attached to a kernel if they're still attached they haven't pollinated if they fall off then they're pollinated, and then you'll know where you're at. Thanks for the picture, though, and, and otherwise, the crop looks really nice. So I'm, I'm kind of jealous. I'd love to have some green crop right now, but we're, we're just too cold for that. Uh, all right, one last one here. Uh, Tahir sent a question, and he said, Sodic soil, can you give me the quick and dirty how to take care of it? Yep, you got to fix the drainage first. Then it all depends on how much sulfur you have in that soil, because if you've got lots of sulfur already there, then just the drainage alone may solve your problem. What we want that sulfur to do is bind with the sodium because the sodic soil means excess sodium. When sulfur binds with sodium, it forms sodium sulfate, which is a salt and it's leachable. So it'll leach away. The other thing that we take a look at is how high are your calcium levels. If your calcium levels aren't at least 60%, then we may be trying to find some form of calcium that we could add to that soil. Yep, it's tough. And I would say this, get after it right now because it doesn't get better on its own. It only gets worse. And as it gets worse, it gets tougher and tougher to fix. And the time to turn it around gets longer. So if you catch that... Hey, Darren, so I got to yep. throw one last thing oh. in. We got to ask ourselves, why did the sodium get high in the first place? Was it excess manure? Was it poured uh, irrigation water? Fix that problem also so the problem doesn't get worse as you're working on the solution. Yep, great points there. Thank you, Tahir. Really appreciate the question. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.